welcome to Burning the Edge. We would like to welcome to the tea our host, Mr. Arthur Miller Jr. Thank you for listening to Burning the Edge, the podcast. Today we'll be having a conversation with Kendrick Hickman Sr. So, bro, Hickman, thank you for joining us today. So, bro, Hickman, tonight we're going to talk about a few things, man. Did you watch the uh, tournament today, the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, the Pro-Am at Pebble Beach? I did. So, what you? What did you, uh, you watched the whole thing? You know, I watched probably last, um, last couple of hours. Yeah. So, what you think, you know, uh, Jordan Spieth came in the day leading, he was, uh, it was a, he tied for third. For he, he lost by three. He lost yeah. by three strokes. Yeah. So the guy that won, though, he eagled the last hole. Yeah, I saw that. So I'm watching it. So Channel 3 was acting up with the direct TV for some reason or another. It wasn't no other channel. It was just Channel 3. And I thought it was, so I was outside spraying my dish off to make sure that it wasn't the ice or the snow that had it kind of choppy or whatever. And so um, after I did that, I was like, it's still acting up, man, because it, it did it yesterday, too. I thought it was just too much ice on it. But come to find out, everybody was having a problem. They had direct TV. For whatever reason, they were having channel problem with Channel 3. But you could switch to, I think it was Channel 902, which is a CBS channel, and it was fine for whatever reason. I don't know what the deal was, but I was watching it and Max Homer, it was a threesome, Max Homer and two other guys came up. They on the par five, number 18. All three of these cats put it on the green in two. And and that's a tiny, it, that green is not very big. And I was like, man, it really put it in perspective of how well these guys hit some shots. Like, one guy was probably about 20 feet. The other two was probably around 30, 35 feet away. But I mean, like, for all three of them to get on into and have eagle puts, I was like, man, these cats be playing golf. Well, hey, listen, and the guy was Burger. He, his second shot, I think they said he was like 230, 230 or 240, something like that. And he put it on there. It was like, it was perfect. I'm like, whew. It's yeah, unreal. In the water. <laughs> yeah, all that water over to the left. It's unreal how well that these cats play, man. It's really unreal. It's like, how much practice do you? It just, to me, puts it in perspective of how good these cats are. Like, I, it's just unreal to me. Anyway, so, but Daniel Bergen ended up winning. Uh, I think he hadn't won in a while. I'm glad to see him win, though. I was hoping to see Jordan Spieth. Pull it out today, but I guess he he kind of just fell off today a little bit. I think on it was on what, fourteen. He it was uh, whatever hole it was elevated, but they were hitting the ball. That shot was at one hundred and twenty out, and the wing caught him and put him off in the um, in the rough. And he had yeah, but it wasn't him. It was a lot of people having the same issue. Yeah, so Daniel Berg ended up finishing first, 18 under. He eagled the last hole. And Maverick McNeely finished second. And Patrick Carroll and Jordan Spieth tied at 15 under. So Jordan did come back and finish two under for the day, which I thought 16 under would win. 
16, between 16 and 17. I, I figured if he went four under today, at 17 under, then he could possibly win. So he still would have lost against Dan Berger with him eager on that last hole. Yeah. So did you get a chance to watch uh, the program from the day before they had um, Alfonso Ribeiro? They had like six people. Alfonso Ribeiro was paired up with Ben McLemore. And they had two young ladies playing together and mm-hmm. Bill Murray and uh, the football player from Arizona, the wide receiver. Fitzgerald. Yeah, Fitzgerald. They played together. And so, Al Ribeiro was playing his tail off. Man, I didn't realize he was that good. I didn't either. Because he made a couple uh, eagle putts. Yeah. He made an eagle putt on the last one, yeah. on 18. A walk-off eagle putt. Yeah, up. he so walked off, too. I was like, man. <laughs> like, you know, like, we all have our days. But, like, you, you can't be having one of them days when the camera's on you. You know, like it's a major competition. You trying to win money for a charity, like that's no anomaly. Like you played it well, most likely all the time, if yeah, not yeah. better. Yeah, I mean, there's no telling how long he's uh, he's been playing. Right, right. But I mean, it's Our, just good um, to see. I'd be glad to see when the uh, pro am is back to his full, with all the amateurs get to play with the pros and stuff. So, what do you think about pro ams? I you know I like watching those guys play. Actually, our CEO, he uh, he actually got a golf scholarship to at, at UT Martin. He played in it a couple years ago. Really? Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I mean he's, I mean he scratched golf for for certain. Yeah, but I mean he did really good. And and just to watch guys like uh, uh, Peyton and those guys. Play. Yeah, yeah. Those competitions are cool, man. I, I really get I like to see amateurs get out there and play. You know, it's it's like even for somebody like Tom Brady that's used to cameras being there or whatever, you get out there and you're on the golf course, <laughs> that's a totally different thing with cameras on you then, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, y'all line up in the in the in the framework if you want to. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did since this Black Houston Month. You did want to touch on a uh or a few guys that um did some major things in black history. Did we talk about uh Dr. Go- George Grant? Mm-mm. I don't think so. Okay, so Dr. George Grant was a guy. Um he was a golfer and he was actually a dental assistant at first, and he ended up becoming going to dental school at Harvard. But yeah, he was well known in the dentist community. He opened a practice and it was respected for repairing cleft palates. He issued the first he got the first palate for the the first patent for a T in 1899 in the country. And um he had prototypes that he had given to his family and friends to try out to see which one worked the best. Well, what were they using before he invented the tea? Wet sand. So they would take wet sand, dump it out, and make it like a little mound or whatever, coming with their hands or whatever. And so they would tee off of it. So, like, uh, I watch a guy on YouTube, Mark Crossfield. I don't know if you watch him. But a lot of times he does that sometimes when he uses, like, a hybrid or fairway wood up from the the, um, tee box. Instead of teeing it up, he'll hit into the ground to kind of knock the ground up a little bit 
and he would sit his ball on there and tee off like that instead of using a wooden tee. So that's kind of what they did, but they would dump out wet sand and they would actually like shape it with their hands and tee off for that. So would you, would you play golf like that? Uh, No. <laughs> not as not since there are tees available now. Huh? If there are tees out there, man, I ain't, I ain't trying to hurt myself. Yeah, back then that was the only option, though. I mean, and this is just the tee off with, right? Huh. But I guess uh, if you think about it in today's time, I mean, the the club head like on the driver is so big. I mean, it'd be almost impossible to do that. Even though you got guys hit it off the deck now. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I couldn't imagine trying to do that. Nah, I, I give me a T. I take the T in today. Right. I pass Ooh. on the paddle with sand. Uh, golf is, is hard enough as it is. I ain't trying to make it any harder. <laughs> right. I know. That's right. So I tried to find some information on another cat. Uh, that actually was one of the founding members of the United Golf Association named George Adams. And I couldn't find a lot um, other than him being involved with the Royal Golf Club, which was the first African-American golf club uh, established in the United States. And him and another lady by the name of Helen Webb Harris, she was helped formed the Wake Robin Golf Club, which is the oldest African-American woman golf club. She was an educator. And her and George Adams, they worked together to help form the Royal Golf Club also, which was the men version of it. So actually, so the men had their Royal Golf Club. So she was the wife of one of the members. And so she started the all-women golf club since she, they were kind of getting left out or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, together, they actually were the ones that petitioned the Secretary of Interior, Harold X, to desegregate the city's other public facilities in 1941. It opened to everybody. So they established their own at first. And so they got, they were the ones that petitioned to get it desegregated. See, desegregated. So I guess that's integrated. So everybody could go to all the facilities in the public or whatever. This was in 1941. And there's, they're actually, the Wake Robin Golf Club is still in existence. So that's a lot of history in golf that we never really hear about. No, that's similar to the uh, Bill Powell and Renee Powell. Right. Where, you know, before, um, you know, there's nowhere that black folk can go play golf. Right. So, he built his own. Yeah. He was uh, a veteran, right? Yeah, he was a veteran, but, you know, he still couldn't go. They didn't treat him like he was a veteran. Right. Because he couldn't go and come places just like uh, any other veteran would. You know, how, how strange is that that you go and put your life on the line and fight for a country that when you, even while you in the war, they treat you separately. And then when you get back from the war, you still treat like, I, I just, I don't understand that, man. It's just part of that mentality. 
you know, and then it still exists today, which is which is sad. It is. You know, even listening, um, even after the acquittal yesterday of Donald, former President Donald Trump, uh, it's kind of disturbing that they acquitted him because uh, McConnell pretty much and came out afterwards and said that he was guilty, but because he felt like it was unconstitutional, which he voted that it was constitutional, but then you come back after the fact and say, because you felt like it was unconstitutional, that's why you voted to acquit. A lot of them did. And, you know, even the, the the other sad part about that is is, is the, the Republicans that voted to not to acquit them, that, that found guilty, if you will, um, they're being ostracized by their by their own party. Right. Like, I mean, did y'all not see everything that the whole country saw? Right. I mean, you heard all this. And even McConnell himself said that, you know, he, Donald Trump, bear responsibility for it. Right. So y'all still going to go out your way to um, uh, to ostracize these folks or condemn them? You know, and listen, I mean, they wouldn't even condemn David Duke. Right. Self-proclaimed. Now, self-proclaimed, he was the, the grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. Right. They didn't rebuke him. They didn't, they didn't, uh, they didn't chastise him. They welcomed him with open arms. I'm like, what is the hypocrisy in this? Yeah. Do you care that much about whatever party? I mean, I don't I can care whatever kind of party it is. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, this we're talking about people. This is your character. Right. You, are you willing to sacrifice your character over somebody who who doesn't have one? Or whose whose character doesn't line up with you know somebody you ought to be able to look up to? Right. And that, and that's the interesting thing when I talk to um, one of the few well, one of the few people that I know that I openly support supported Donald Trump, and I asked him. I said, if you take away because his big deal was about abortion, they pro life or whatever, supposedly quote unquote. Most Republicans support pro-life. Take that away. Would you still have voted for Donald Trump? And then he said, well, uh, I don't, mm, I would have had to look at, look at uh, Biden a little bit closer. I said, hold up, man. The whole time we've been talking about this, this is the very reason that you said you voted for him was because he was pro-life. I said, but take that away. So if you so you telling me you you can admit that he's an idiot, you can admit that he's uh, has has faults in his character, you can admit all these things. But is he a role model to your children? No, you can admit all these things, but you still will vote for him because he in the Republican Party. To me, this is where our country has, is failing it. Because it shouldn't be about party lines. It it yeah. should be about the people of this country. Bottom line. And if okay. and to me, if you are dead set on voting on party lines, then you're wrong. 
Because it shouldn't be about that. It should be if your the things that are important to you, if they line up with the the, the candidate that you're voting for, yeah. and the things that the the things that Donald Trump stood for, the 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 inciting of the riots. Let's let's if that didn't even happen before we get to that. The the hatred for immigrants coming to this country, the hatred for handicapped people in this country, the hatred for lower class people in this country, the hatred for uh, minorities in this country is not something that anybody in this country should be standing for. Bottom line, nobody. Uh, here's here's the one that gets you. I mean, if you really listen, Woods. Are you okay with your child saying, I want to be like Donald Trump? And if you can say yes to that question, God bless you. Right. I can't. No. I'm, I can't. No. Is, is this the best <laughs> that we can do? No. I mean, it is it, clearly you have to. We could have done so much better in this country. Look, I'm not one to say all Republicans bad. I'm not one to say that all Democrats good. I'm not saying that all Democrats bad. I'm not saying any of that. All I'm saying is, look, when um, Bush was in office, Bush did some things I did not agree with. Clinton did some things I didn't agree with. Obama did some things I didn't agree with. You know, like, to me... I'm not going to align myself totally with anybody that um, that takes things to the point to where you hate people for no other reason than the color of their skin or their their class that they they like that that they're in, or, or just because they they think think differently than you, and that makes right. that person no. It doesn't. It just means I can think for myself, right? You know, like I. I work with people that clearly uh, line up or agree with Donald Trump and his antics or whatever. Does that mean I hate them? No. Does that mean I don't work beside them? No. I work. I, it, it does, does not even matter to me. Like, I don't. I'm not going. Oh, I can't help you because you this or that or the other. It's just not right. Bottom line. i tell you this. Uh, uh, a trainer, he's he's a Trump Trump fan. And, you know, this is always an interesting conversation, but the, the one thing about it is, you know, we can agree on some things and we can disagree on some things. Right. But we're able to have a dialogue and keep it moving. Yeah, I don't hold it against him as a person and he doesn't hold it against me. And, you know, we have the love of Christ for each other. Right. So, I mean, those are the things that's, that's important. Right. I'm not going to say he hates me because I've, I think differently. He's and he'll say, "I know you don't like Trump." I said, "No, I don't." But right. has he done some good things? Yeah, I think he's done. Yeah, things. Yeah, I, I don't, I'll say that. Is is Joe Biden perfect? Nope. I think nope. He, he's done some terrible things. Right. Yeah. Uh, so Harris, same thing. <laughs> what do, What do you think about supporting people that align themselves? Say, for instance, if your trainer was a David Duke supporter. I couldn't do it. You know what? Now, let me ask you this. Why does it seem like as minorities, 
we are so willing to forgive the majority for their shortcomings. I don't know. It seems like we are always the ones that are willing to give the benefit of the doubt. And and I know why I do it. I be I do it because I believe that's what the Bible teaches us. And right. I, I believe in God and you know, and I believe that's what the Bible teaches us that you should give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, they said forgiveness is for the forgiver, not for the forgiven. Right. Right. So <laughs> I mean, let's just say that they do something to greatly offend me and I, I'll bring it to attention I'll have to decide whether I want to carry that burden around with me for however long but I mean it only affects me it doesn't affect them like I said not forgiving somebody is like sitting in the car with uh, uh, four flat tires you can sit there all you want to but you ain't going nowhere right so it just you know, some a lot of times it just depends on what it is. It just, yeah, it's just going to take time. Yeah. So, want to touch on one more dude before, uh, since we got into all of it. So this guy by the name of Ted Rose actually was born in Nashville, right up the road from us, uh, November nineteen thirteen. Uh, he was in the Navy in World War Two. He sued the PGA which was settled out of court. And so so he tried to play on the PGA. And so he ended up winning. And so they changed the tour requirements, changed it to invitationals. So that way they could exclude who they wanted to because you had to get an invitation to play or whatever. And so... Um, that's we talked about this last well, a couple weeks ago when they we talked about in 1961 the PGA eliminated Caucasians only clause from their bylaws, um, and so they actually named a golf course after him in Nashville, close to Nashville, which it was originally called the Cumberland Golf Course. They renamed it to the Ted Rose Ted Rose Golf Course, which was the first. African American golf course in Nashville, in Tennessee. And he was inducted into the Tennessee Golf Hall of Fame in 1998. And he actually was a granted a PGA membership in 2009. And he won over 100 tournaments in the United Golf Association. And so this is one of the guys that ended up on the short end of the stick when it came to not, uh, being eliminated. Uh, or not allowed to play in the PGA tournament. One of the better guys that actually was was would have been able to compete with some of them. So let me ask you this: Do you think it was out of fear that the PGA didn't allow anybody but Caucasians to play because they didn't want to see anybody else come in and beat them? I, I'm not going to say necessarily fear, but it's um. Yeah, I guess the fear of what they didn't know about somebody. You know, it was just this fear and hate. Yeah. You know, I don't want to get to know you. 
Uh, I don't want you being close to me because of all the all the stuff that they were fed before about how um, you know how stupid black folk were, how dirty they were, and if you know they touch this, that, or the other, then you can get some sort of disease. Uh, you know, which was the reason for having the separate water fountains, restrooms. They just they didn't want you in their place. They didn't want to breathe the same air that you were breathing. Yeah. Because you're you're not worthy, uh, you're so far beneath us that why would I even want to associate with you? Now, take that back. You're good enough to take care of my children. Yeah. But as far as clean my house, cook my food, my house, you do all that kind of stuff. But how dare you? We being public public with each other. That's not going to happen. So, but these are things that, you know, um, hopefully one day, um, I'm sure we have come a long way because I'm sure um, anybody that's in their 80s or 90s um, probably never thought they would have seen an African-American become a president. Um, But we still have a long way to go to where we have equality in this country uh, when it comes to race. And not just race, class. Period. You know, uh, it's it's disgraceful that we don't have a a better minimum wage. Um, you know, and that's that's for everybody. That ain't just for African Americans or minorities. That's for everybody. Like, come on, you need, you know, you actually need to make a wage to where you can afford to live. You know, like seven dollars an hour, just ain't cutting it. You know, and uh, I can remember making four dollars and thirty-five cents an hour when I was in college, and this was this was nineteen ninety, what ninety ninety three ninety four, and for it to only go <laughs> up to seven twenty five, right? In twenty some years, yeah, you got to be kidding me, right? You know, and you was a teenager. Yeah. Could you imagine being an adult? Uh let's say let's say 20 years old. Let's say 22 years old and trying to afford to pay your rent, pay your light bill you on $7 an hour. It's not possible. No, it's not. It's impossible. You know, I can remember my first job I made, I know forget I made 4 4.15. I was 16 years old working at fast food restaurant. $4.15 an hour. And, you know, which for me at that time, I mean... Yeah, you ain't got no bills, no right. responsibilities. Right. You know. you know, but I still fell short after two weeks. I'm like, okay, I can't wait to get my check on it. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? You know, yeah. I'm not... I'm, I wasn't paying rent. I wasn't paying light bill. I wasn't paying cable bill. I wasn't paying any of that. The only thing I had to do really was... Uh, put some gas in my car, and that was it. I wasn't paying no car note, none of it. So I could not even imagine making it or making seven dollars an hour now, trying to afford a car note, light bill, rent. You can't do it, mm-hmm. you know. But that's just one of the things that we have to do better on in this country, and. Uh, well, all right, bro, Hickman, I appreciate you joining, man, coming on. We can talk about a few things tonight, man. All right. Well, we touched on everything tonight, golf, politics, everything. <laughs> it's just like normal. Yeah. 
Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Burn the Edge podcast. Um, I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Please uh, like the podcast. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast so that you can be notified when new episodes come about. Um, thank you for listening again. 